everyone, I am Yarni, your host, and this is Anything and Everything by Yarni. So, I didn't update the last two weeks because of some issues that came up while I was trying to record the episode. And, uh, anyways, all problems are over now, and you can quite assuredly expect proper updates every week. Now, if you've been following international news quite regularly, you might know that on May 27, France's President Macron asked for forgiveness in Rwanda for his country's role in the Rwandan genocide in 1994. And the Germany quite recently said that it officially recognizes what happened in Namibia between 1904 and 1908 as a genocide. And as I was... And as I came to know about these events, I realized that I quite honestly had no idea what they were talking about. And that's how it became today's episode. So, and by the way, shout out to the Hindu and the Indian Express because those were the two primary sources I used while trying to learn more about what happened in these places. Now, I'm quite sure that you've noticed that both the issues that I've mentioned include the word genocide. So first, take a look, let's take a look at what the word actually means and the importance attached to it. The Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide defines genocide as any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial or religious group as such, A. Killing members of the group, B. Causing serious bodily harm or mental harm to members of the group, C. Deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life, carefully calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, and E. Forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. Now, of course, this definition sounds a little narrow in its scope and it is for this reason it has been criticized a lot of times in the past. The reason why the convention specifically laid out the the definition in this manner was due to the fact that it was adopted in response to the genocide of the European Jews during World War II, also known as the Holocaust, and was crafted with, with the actual events that happened back then as reference. So, let's get back to what happened in Rwanda and Namibia. What is now known as the Rwandan Genocide happened in the year 1994. Now, let's go for a basic, for some basic info about Rwanda. It is a landlocked country in the African continent. Its capital is Kigali and it is bordered by Uganda in north. Tanzania in East, Burundi in South, and the Democratic Republic of Congo in the West. And Rwanda used to be a colony of Belgium. And it is quite from this period that the problems actually started. The Rwandan community, that's the population, had a majority of a tribe called Hutus and a minority of another tribe called Tutsis. 
Now the colonialists ruled Rwanda through the Tutsi monarchy due to which the Tutsis rel- enjoyed relatively better educational and employment opportunities and the and obviously this led to resentment among the majority hutus so and this is f- quite kind of where the whole thing that happened in 1994 started you know coming up now let's go to 1949 1959 i'm sorry in 1959 violent riots were led by hutus and 20000 tutsis were killed and many more were displaced and because of these riots belgian authorities handed over the power to hutu elites and king kigali the 5th fled the country and then the belgians organized elections in 1960 and obviously the hutu parties gained control of nearly all the local communes now go back then we go to 1961 here hutu leader gregor kayabanda declared rwanda an autonomous republic and in 1962 it did become independent and kayabanda become Rwa- became rwanda's first elected president and since then rwanda had been controlled by hutus and now the tension between the majority hutus and the minority tutsis escalated or reached the peak in the 1990s when the rwandan patriotic front led by the current president of rwanda paul kagame grew in strength and posed a serious challenge to the regime of the then president habyarimana who was back, backed by france and had defense ties with israel and then we go to 1993 habyarimana was forced to sign a peace agreement with the rpf which are, which obviously led to a lot of resentment among the hutu militias and who were backed by the government these militias accused local tutsis of collaborating with the rpf and then came april 6 1994 a falcon 50 jet containing carrying habyarimana and his burundi counterpart cyprian tariamara was shot down near the kigali international airport the government obviously blamed it on the rpf however mr kagame has denied any involvement in it and said that hutu extremists were the ones who actually orchestrated the whole thing and used it for used it as an excuse for the genocide and to capture power and it and yeah that's how it happened this was how the pre-planned extermination campaign against the tutsis began on april 7 this was aimed to eliminate the entire tutsi communities militants hunted down tutsis and asked uh, and went around the country asking hutus to join the campaign and killings were at a pace of 80000 people a day 
and the, those who those who were moderate who did not want to join the campaign were also killed and the bodies were dumped in the nyabarang barongo river the major river in rwanda the catholic church which had deep ties with the ruling hutu elites was also involved in the killings military and political leaders back then actually encouraged sexual violence as a means of warfare leading to around 5 lakh women and children being raped and sexually mutilated or murdered the the national public broadcaster rwanda rwanda radio was also used for spreading this propaganda france which was then led by the socialist president francois mitterrand was accused of acting as a staunch ally ally of the hutu led government which ordered the killings In June 1994 France deployed the much delayed UN backed military force in southwest Rwanda called Operation Turquoise. They were able to save some people but however they were accused of sheltering some of the genocide's perpetrators and the RPF even opposed the French mission. and thus the violence continued on for 3 months all of this stopped only after rpf under kagame's command captured kigali and toppled the hutu regime in 2017 while visiting rwanda pope francis asked for forgiveness for the church's role in the killings that happened in rwanda Around 2 million Hutus fled fled Rwanda to Congo and Hutu militias are still operating from there. Now obviously if such a thing such a ghastly thing happened there must have been some sort of a backlash to it and that was how the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda was created. It was established by the United Nations Security Council to prosecute persons responsible for genocide and other serious violations of inter- international humanitarian law committed in the territory of Rwanda and neighboring states between 1st January 1994 and 31st December 1994. The tribunal has an indicted so far 93 individuals whom it considered responsible for serious violation of international humanitarian law committed in Rwanda in 1994 the ICTR became the first international tribunal to hold members of the media responsible for broadcasts intended to inflame the public to commit acts of genocide ICTR was also the first international tribunal to deliver verdicts against persons responsible for committing genocide and 
the first institution to recognize rape as a means of perpetrating genocide now obviously france didn't just you know apologize away on a whim there was a little bit of a process behind what happened that led to france's apology in may 2019 president macron set up a 15 member expert committee to investigate his country's role in the genocide which submitted its findings on march 2021 and what it said was france which was then ruled by president francois mitterrand bore heavy and overwhelming responsibilities for being blind to the events that led to the killings and blamed Dmitryn for a failure of policy towards Rwanda in 1994 and stated that France did nothing to stop the massacres and even tried to cover up its role by offering protection to some of its worst perpetrators and we will talk more about what this means in the present scenario later and now for now we will move on to what happened in namibia so on may 2021 germany recognized that it had committed genocide against the herero and nama people in the present day namibia during its colonial rule and promised financial support of over a billion euros in to the south african nation now we will talk more about this promise later on and let's move on to what actually happened there between 1904 and 1908 german colonial settlers wait a second okay so between 1904 and 1908 the german colonial settlers killed tens of thousands of men and women and children from the herero and nama tribes after they rebelled against colonial rule now namibia was then called the german southwest africa german settlers formally colonized parts of the present day namibia between 1884 to 1890 and this is kind of where the all the problems began In 1904, Herero Nation, which was mainly a pastoral community, rebelled against the Germans, followed by the Nama tribe.
Now first a little bit of a background information on Namibia. It is a country in the southwestern coast of Africa. Its capital is Windhoek and it saw 106 years of German and South African rule and after which it finally attained independence on March 21, 1990. from 1904 to 1908 tens of thousands of nama and herero people were were killed by the german settlers which is now recognized as a genocide in 1904 herero nation which was mainly a pastoral community rebelled against the germans which was then followed by the rebellion of the nama tribes and obviously this rebellion led to violence at first it was between the herero fighters and the german settlers and the herero nation had by then some uh, some guns and horses and they were able to lay siege on the german fort and also outnumbered the germans the germans so and they were able to gain control of the fort the then military commander and governor of the colony major theodore latwin wanted to negotiate with the herero people berlin however said that it wanted a military solution and hence replaced latwin by lieutenant general ladder von chatta and directed the troops to corner the herero fighters and to ruthlessly annihilate the hereros when they least expected on october 3 1904 an extermination order was issued by the germans which said that within the german boundaries every herero whether found armed or unarmed with or without cattle will be shot i shall not accept any more women and children and this order stood for 2 months after this the the german settlers adopted the british method of using count concentration camps in africa from 1904 to 1908 thousands of nama and herero men women and children were exiled to the kalahari desert where many died of thirst others were sent to concentration camps where more than half the prisoners died within the first year first year and were used for forced labor about 75% of the entire herero population and 50% of the nama population died during this campaign and there you go these are some of the basic facts oh wait a second i didn't mention the battle for waterberg now you remember the german fort which herero people got control of right now germans did regain control over the fort due during the battle called the battle of waterberg in which 
80,000 hereros were chased across the desert and only 15,000 survived and yeah now remain it's a i'll try i'd like to remind you that i only covered a few basic facts about these events and there are actually more there might be more that i would i would probably not covered so yeah there we go now let's move on to the relevance of these events in present day world especially present day india now if you might see this we india as a whole has has a few common features it shares with both of these countries mainly colonialism we were also under colonial rule for a very long time just like namibia and rwanda and we have a lot of different kinds of culture in our land and we have different religions different languages and obviously different kinds of people in our land and thus the these events actually are very important to the way we view society as a whole now let's talk about the rwandan genocide in a more indian context now in rwanda it was two tribes fight uh, who fought each other basically speaking a majority and a minority existed here and it was a battle between the majority in not a battle more like something even more unbalanced than a battle i do not know what that is yeah so we had a majority which tried to oppress the minority and i don't know it seems like a little ominous of what happens here in this country too here the thing is to kill a person is actually a very big deal like to actually take the life of someone and here you see mass murders so now obviously the question would be how how did they even do it how did they how were they even able to stomach all these that happened well i have a simple answer for you they just didn't view the opposing side as humans that's what happened the germans did not think of the namibians as humans nor did the hutus think of tutsis as humans especially humans who were equal and had equal rights as them and that tells a lot about our present situation in india too because these days there's a lot of a lot of how am i to say intolerance for people who are different from what you see normally or normally is not a correct word actually let's just say you see a lot of intolerance towards people who are a little different and these differences actually some have led to 
legislatures um, how may to put this these differences these so called the this intolerance based on these differences actually has led to some decisions to some high level decisions in the government also which is actually quite an alarming situation like i think that the reason why these two story these two events affected me so much while i was reading them was because it was clear that they are not seeing the other person the person who has opposing views to them as a human being who has equal rights as them and to be honest i'm seeing quite a lot of that in recent times um and that makes me kind of afraid you know i mean i may be only 19 years old and you know what we might actually escape such level of disaster but here's the thing we've already lost so many people to this level of intolerance and discrimination and shit and it just makes me afraid like how long are we going to continue being intolerant towards each other how long are we going to dehumanize those who feel a little different from from the majority how uh, how we dehumanize people who are little different like how long is that going to continue because i am going to be like right now i'm i don't contribute that much to society but in a few years i will i will become a part of the adult society whatever that is and it does make me scared a little bit that someone could view me as something less than human just because i am different from them and the problem is that it is actually a reality right now like people who speak my language may not be different i don't know how much that is possible be well but i do know that based on my caste and where my caste belongs in this religion people tend to dehumanize people who are from the same background as me which means that some day i will be subject to this dehumanization this intolerance like we are going on a little bit of a personal note here but i do remember in school um one of my classmates mother would actually scold her if she ever talked to me because i came from a lower caste and thankfully my experience with casteism ended quite right there in school but what about in college what about in my work that's not something the present society can guarantee me and i have my nieces and my nephews and th- and the next generation too and i don't want them to you know 
live like uh, to face a situation like that and unfortunately it doesn't seem like we are going to get any better it doesn't seem like you know this situation this tension is going to cool down and we'll actually become more tolerant of each other's differences no it doesn't seem like that and genocide is actually the worst case scenario we have and just because it is the worst case scenario doesn't mean it should be the only scenario which you should care about even if one person dies because of something so unjust as intolerance you should raise your voice i should too and so should you we should raise our voices and make sure justice is delivered because whether we like it or not the present system is a little inefficient and we will have to work towards making it efficient and that is only possible if all of us try together to f- find out in what way can we make the system more efficient work in a more proper manner and not if just one person thinks like that because our population is huge the number of people we have the different types of people we have it's just enormous to accommodate all this diversity if just one person thinks that they have to make this system more efficient it's not possible we need everybody to act accordingly to present to the present situation and i know that's a little scary because we all know i mean we i mean this is the same country where school children were booked under the sedition law for god's sake and and obviously that would get a little scary but we don't have no choice like this is not a time or place where we can choose pick and choose uh, what we want to be or what kind of things we support or i don't know what i'm saying what i'm saying is Mm. we are in a situation where intolerance is spreading so much that um it it is actually affecting the way our government is functioning the way our judiciary and our executive is functioning and that is not okay at all it is not okay in any healthy country and it is definitely not okay if it is in my home country too and yeah we can't just hope for things to get better we need to be the hope for things to get better like it may be just a, the slightest thing that you do but you know it would contribute a lot and it is not just india which is suffering from this wave of intolerance you have what is happening in china and myanmar and uh, in palestine and so many more and in iran too 
and there's just so much pain in this world that it actually sounds absurd to follow all the rules and the norms because why should i follow all the rules and the norms just so somebody else would feel pain like that is not how it is supposed to be and we have to change it and um, that's it for today and i hope that this episode 2 would let you know that this is what happens when you grow intolerant towards people and yeah goodbye everyone and see you next week